Welcome into episode 20 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy, and we're going to be breaking down our DraftKings lineup uh, for week 15. And it was a nice week. I mean, the line of cash was um, sitting around, what, 158 or so, 159 uh, in most, most double ups. So finished nicely above the line of cash. We ended up rolling the same lineup, uh, you know, almost 168 points. Um, you know, we faded Henry and uh, somehow we survived. <laughs> we survived a Henry fade. <laughs> I'm not sure how we did it. Thank you, Tony Pollard. But. Yeah, I'm not sure how we did it. Um, you know, obviously, in hindsight, the the best running back pairings was probably Kamara, Pollard, and Henry and finding a lineup through there. I, I fiddled with some lineups with that, and I really just – I it, it took me off Ayuk. I think um, – I do think that the right running backs were Henry, Kamara, and Pollard, but what it did to the rest of my lineup, it peeled me off of Ayuk and made me come down to um, – you know, the T.Y. Hilton range, and I, I was just never uh, fading Ayuk in this spot. So, well, we'll break down our lineup. Um, you know, we ended up having a 3v3 uh, that we were debating right up until lock, and it was um, Tony Pollard, uh, Cam Akers, and Travis Kelsey, or Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, and Cole Komet. And I know we talk all the time about, uh, you know, punting off tight end, Um but I thought the volume for Pollard, Akers, and Kelsey exceeded the volume that we were expecting from Henry, Jonathan Taylor, and Komet. So we ended up um, being seven points better on the Pollard side. So, uh, yeah, ended up being the right decision in, in hindsight. Yeah, for, um, I, I really was terrified of fading Henry. But once the news hit that, you know, Zeke was going to be inactive. Um, so basically for me, Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor was essentially a wash. Um, I thought they were – I would rather play Taylor, but Akers, you know, he fit in lineups a little bit easier, so I was completely fine with that. So really what it came down to for me was, you know, Pollard and Kelsey versus Derrick Henry and Komet. And while maybe you would give a slight edge to Henry over Kelsey – Pollard versus Komet is just, you know, it's far and away Pollard. So I felt a lot, lot safer going Pollard Kelsey, which brought me off of Henry, which was definitely scary. And I mean, we ran a little hot with Henry because Tannehill cut to a rushing touchdown from him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I'll, I'll be sending uh, Tony Pollard a Christmas card <laughs> uh, this year. He outscored Henry at, you know, half the price. So yeah. I mean, yeah, we were definitely on the right side for once. So feels pretty good <laughs> i don't know and and i remember i mentioned on friday night uh at the end of the show that if, if we faded henry it just banged me over the head and yeah <laughs> and, and you know we faded him again i don't think I've, i i just i rarely play henry i don't know why i don't know what my deal is with just not playing him i just i just don't do it oh god it's like a total fish but he ended up what he was what 50 percent or so yeah, he was the the second highest owned running back next to Kamara. So anyway, so starting at quarterback, we we both you know we both play Jalen Hurts and and in my consideration for quarterbacks on the slate, it was Jalen Hurts um, and, and probably Kyler Murray, uh, both for their dual upside. You know, the the rushing upside they have is it's just so nice. And Hurts ended up having 
63 rushing yards and end up getting the bonus. It was a total smash. Ended up putting up 41.8 or 40.8. So, you know, 5,900, I obviously, I mean, that that is a total smash at 30% owned in cash. He was the highest owned quarterback, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he was a smasher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually quarterback, I mean, you don't really get killed, but man, when he's 30%, he puts up almost 41. Like, good Lord. Like, he far exceeded all expectations. Like, we hit the bonus, you know, 63 rushing yards, you know, rushing touchdown, three touchdowns through the air. Like, good grief, man. <laughs> like, he couldn't have smashed any harder if he tried. Like, yeah, I mean, he was virtually a lock all week at this price at 5,900. And we knew it was probably going to be, you know, a likely shootout spot. And that's what we got. And I mean, 63 rushing yards with the legs on, I think, 11 carries it was. I mean, that's pr- pretty much what we expected carries wise. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so obviously he was. Yeah, I, I thought that he was the clear cash play. I, I did, I did mess around with some, um, with some Kyler lineups. Kyler is projecting for about three or so more points. Um, but it, ultimately, I I like the lineup that I got in there with Hertz. So I definitely feel good about the process on Hertz. And obviously, the results was were, were extraordinary. So moving to running back. So Alvin Kamara was the lock of the week. And there's just no debate in that one. You know, he was 78% owned. In higher stakes stuff, he was 80 to 90% owned. I mean, the guy, once, once we knew Drew's, uh, Drew Brees is playing, I mean, that's – the target share number one, that's going to bump up with Drew Brees instead of Taysom Hill. And then we get the Michael Thomas out. And so we can safely project Alvin Kamara for probably a 20 to 30% target share. And that's not crazy to even project that. And he ended up leading the team in targets and he only having six targets, but, you know, still got there 18.4 points. I mean, it's not a total smash, but I would make that play over and over and over again at 7,400 if you didn't play Alvin Kamara and you're playing cash games on DraftKings, you're just doing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, versus Kansas City, I mean, it, there, there's not a better spot, with, especially with Breeze back. And I know that Breeze really, you know, cracked his pants, um, but – that's got to be like a bomb. even coming off the injury with no Michael Thomas. Like he completed like forty percent of his passes. Like he was unbelievably bad, and we got uh, Taysom Hill goal line touchdown that probably would have went to Kamara if if not Taysom. So we probably ran a little bit cold there with both Breeze and Taysom, but he still put up eighteen points. Like he still wasn't that far off value. I mean, really, just three or four points away. And again, he was a lock. Like there was three guys that never never left my lineup all week, and it was Hurts. Kamara and Ayuk. Those were the three guys that were never leaving my lineup, no matter what I was doing. So, yeah, if you didn't play Kamara, you should probably reevaluate your, your process, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Tony Pollard was the other guy that was really strong. Um, and once Zeke was out, you know, we knew that there's basically no one behind him. It was Rico Dowdle and then a fullback. And neither of those guys have any NFL carries. So, um, at 5,200, we could safely project Pollard for basically all of Zeke's role plus some because it's, in the last couple of weeks, Pollard's really been cutting into Zeke. And so now you're telling me that I can get Pollard, who is 
just as good, if not better than Zeke. And it's a better role than Zeke would be getting if Pollard was active as the backup. So basically what you're telling me is I can get a player who's, you know, a little bit better than the starter. And now he doesn't have a backup to steal any touches from him. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a total, a total smasher. He was 37% on, he ended up putting up 31 points at 5,200. Again, this is another play I would make over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, if Pollard was out and Zeke was 5,200, people would be sprinting to play Zeke. Right. Even in a, I mean, it wasn't a great matchup versus the Niners, but I think Pollard's better than Zeke. So with Zeke out and, you know, Rico Dowdle behind him, who's just a trash can, like, how do you fade that volume? And granted, we ran hot with that, you know, that 40-yard touchdown at the end of the game. But, man, even before that, he was smashing. Like, he was smashing at the end of the first quarter. And I know it was a little bit tilting because he didn't really do much after that until the fourth. But, man, like, at 5,200, I can't believe he was only 36% owned. Like, I thought he was going to be 50-plus percent. Like, he was just – he smashed, even in a bad matchup. And, and I, I hope Zeke's out again because I just like watching Tony Pollard. Yeah, Pollard's a beast. That that 40-yard touchdown run that he had there, he broke, like, four tackles on that play. That was sexy. And that, that was – oh, my God. So, yeah, Pollard, another smasher of a play. And then um, we finished off our running back room with Cam Akers and – and so Cam Akers was, of course, at home taking on this hapless Jets defense. And we know that the Jets sell out to stop the run. We know that. But we also know that Cam Akers is a three-down plus goal line back that we can safely project for 75 to 80% of the of the running back touches. And, you know, with a 31 implied total, 17-point home favorites against the Jets, I mean, at 6,600, like, like we mentioned, I thought he was pretty close um, – to Jonathan Taylor in, in projections. So having that slight discount of 600 under Jonathan Taylor, I thought that made Akers the better play. And Akers ended up getting hurt in this game. And so he only, he only ended up playing um, overall 61% of the snaps. Um, but in the first half, he only played like 35% of the snaps because he had a busted ankle and went to the locker room. But he came out in the second half and had he played 88% of the snaps in the second half. So um, he is still their full bell cow. Uh, he just had to leave for injury in this game. And maybe if he didn't leave for injury, he would have totally blew up this, this price tag. Um, and, of course, you know, he, he did have a rushing touchdown that was called back to holding and another long game, called back to holding. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. I'm not really going to worry about that too much. I, I thought the Akers was a good process play, and, and um, I definitely don't regret playing him at 6,600. This was the most tilting game of the week. Like, I don't know what the Rams were doing yesterday. And I'll tell you why. It's because I bet the Rams, so of course the Jets won the game. (laughs) Uh, And Akers got hurt pretty early. Thankfully, he came back. He still got the workload. He had two really – he had the touchdown got called back for a penalty. And then I think he had like a 25-yard carry. There was a legal block in the back uh, on that play. So that came back too. So – I mean, he gave us those two plays. He's over 100 yards. You know, he's got a touchdown. It's a smash. I mean, regardless, uh, even with 7.2 points, it didn't really hurt us that bad because of what we got from, you know, from Hurts and Pollard and Ayuk and Kelsey. Like, it was still fine, uh, even when he wasn't that owned. Uh, yeah, him versus Jonathan Taylor, I still think they were about the same play. I, yeah, Jonathan Taylor had the better matchup, but he was also more expensive and he had less of a – 
less of a trustworthy workload, in my opinion. Uh, Frank Reich just really rides the hot hand. Even even though lately it has really been the Jonathan Taylor show, it's hard to trust. And I really thought that it's going to be all Cam Akers. And it really was again before and after he came back in the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, at, at 6,600, I thought he was a fine play. He didn't get there. But, again, not everybody can always get there. Yeah. Moving over to wide receiver, um, I think we both thought that Brandon Ayuk was just a – I thought he was a total lock at 6,300. We knew that coming to this game, um, you know, over the last three, he had like 13 targets per game. I mean, the guy's getting totally peppered. There's no Kittle. There's no Debo. He is the alpha on this offense, and he's a rookie, and he just keeps ascending. He's been smashing. I mean, he has just been – uh, an absolute beast, and of course, and he did it again. He ended up going nine for seventy-three and one in this spot, scoring twenty-two point three DraftKings points at sixty-three hundred. Um, you know, smashed his salary. He was the highest soon wide receiver on the slate, and rightfully so. He was definitely the best wide receiver play by far. Sixty-three hundred against Dallas. Like I'll, I'll say it again: X receivers versus Dallas. Play them. Uh, no Kittle, no Debo at 6,300. He was just a complete lock. Um, it's not shocking at all that he was the highest owned receiver on the slate. Nine for 73 and got in the box. Like, that's exactly what you want. He's been uber consistent lately, man, regardless of whether Debo's played or not. Like, the last six weeks or so, he has just been smashing every single week. Um, so, again, this is exactly what we expected from them. Yeah, for sure. Just, just total smash. So, Emmanuel Sanders, um, I thought was really strong with no Michael Thomas at 4,200. Um, we could probably project him for at least a 20% target share in this spot with, with Drew Brees coming back and no, no Taysom Hill. We definitely expected some more efficiency from, um, from Sanders with Drew Brees back there, but Drew Brees has had a, just a dog shit game. I mean, the guy, he really struggled in his first game back. He's, he's clearly like still hurting, um, from smashing those ribs up and collapsing along. So, uh, but, you know, Sanders ended up kind of getting there. I mean, he ended up going four for 76, um, you know, getting 11.6 points at 4,200. I mean, it's certainly not bad. Uh, you know, he was 51% owned, so he was uh, extremely chalky. I think he was the second highest owned wide receiver on the slate. And again, rightfully so, 4,200 for, um, for the lead wide receiver in the Saints offense in a shootout here against the Chiefs. I, I would play him all over again. I, I love the play. Yep. Uh, when he, he had, like, that 50-yard catch in, like, the second quarter or something, oh, yeah. and I thought it, it was just pants off. Like, I thought we were just going to be windmilling. Yeah. Uh, and then he didn't do anything until the last drive. Ended up – he had three receptions in the last drive and ultimately ended up helping us out a little bit. But before that, it was it was just – it was just Tough to watch Drew Brees, man. Like, he, Sanders only ended up with five targets, which were second most on the team. But Drew Brees only completed, like, 15 passes yesterday. So, the fact that we got four receptions out of Sanders, when you, you know, when you consider that, that's not that bad. So, again, he was – it was a great spot that he was the default wide receiver one, unless you want to say Kamara is the default wide receiver one. Right. Um, Against the Chiefs team where you knew they were going to put up 30. The Chiefs put up 30 every every week. So, yeah, we knew this, the Saints were going to be, you know, clawing to stay ahead or stay up in this game. So, four for 76 at 4,200. Can't really complain about that. Yep, for sure. 
Yeah, and so in the last wide receiver spot, uh, again, really a strong play here at 3,600, Lynn Bowden. And so Devontae Parker was out. Mike Kosicki was out. Jakeem Grant was out. I mean, he's their de facto number one, and he runs the majority of his routes out of the slot. So we know he's getting these easy dump-off targets that, you know, are five or six yards downfield. So he's just got these easy layup targets, and him having seven targets, uh, six catches for 37 yards, then tacked on a carry for another nine yards. Um, you know, 10.6 points for 3,600 is exactly what we need, you know, and he was kind of chalky too. And, and again, rightfully so. It's another play that I would make over and over. And he was basically their number one wide receiver at 3,600. I mean, that you just play him, that you just, it's just a ton of value. You just play him in cash games. Yeah. Uh, and it was some, we got Parker, Gasicki, and Grant all inactive. That was pretty surprising. Um, mm-hmm. it looked like Parker and Gasicki were in the play. Uh, but no surprising actives at 3,600. Um, that really helped. I mean, that value really helped lock in, you know, Kamara and Kelsey. Um, before that, I, I'm assuming everybody was on Gallup. I know I was, but I was kind of going back and forth. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to play Gallup and Emmanuel Sanders. But then, you know, when the Dolphins uh, inactive hit, it, it was hard to come off Bowden. Like, he's just the wide receiver one at 3,600. There's just no one else to throw to. So, uh, yeah, he, he was fine, 10.6 points. I mean, most of the time you don't even get that from a guy that you're spending 3,600 on. So, you get value, beautiful, exactly what we wanted. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And then at tight end, uh, we always talk about whether to pay up for Kelsey or just punt it off. And it's either one. I, I'll never play a guy in the middle. Um, and so we end up paying up for Kelsey. We had the salary in this lineup by coming down from Henry down to Pollard. It allowed us to get up to Kelsey and, you know, at 8k Kelsey ended up scoring 22.8, uh, you know, at his salary, you know, technically, if you want to say he got three X, he needs 24. Yeah. He finished 1.2 behind that. So whatever, uh, he ended up not being that chalky. I think Cole Komet was the highest seven tight end on the slate at around 30%. And, and Kelsey, I think, was the second or third highest tight end um, on the slate, I think behind Jared Cook. So at 19% ownership, I, I was actually pretty happy to get him down that low. Um, and, of course, you know, he had a nice floor game. He ended up going eight for 68 and one, and he also attacked on a two-point conversion. So, um, you know, he's, he's seven straight games with eight or more receptions. I mean, that is just ludicrous. For a tight end, he just keeps going. And I know this wasn't a good matchup here against – the Saints, they, they were pretty solid against tight ends. Um, but, you know, that doesn't really matter for, for someone like Travis Kelsey. Just such a nice floor, and he ended up being just fine for us. Yeah, I mean, again, like if we want to compare Kelsey and Henry, it's easier for Kelsey to get there because every time he cuts the ball, he's going to get not only the points for the yardage, but he's going to get one point every single time he gets reception. So – it's easier for them, him to have that easy floor game. And if you want to say this is his floor, like <laughs> over the past eight weeks, like this is his, this is his floor. Like yeah, eight for 68 and one, like he's just been smashing week in, week out. And honestly, Mahomes watching this game, the start of this game, Mahomes did not look very good at all. Mm-hmm. He was, he, there's a lot of errant throws and, you know, the offensive line was not holding up like at all when I was watching the game. So, um, 
obviously we want a little bit more uh, in terms of receiving yardage from Kelsey, but like 22.8 points from your tight end. He's been the best tight end all year. He's been really the best wide receiver this year outside of Devontae Adams. Uh, so, I mean, 8K, that's probably where he should have been priced last week. And now he's there again this week. I mean, 1400 cheaper than Henry. They didn't have that different of games. Uh, obviously, Henry outscored him by a little bit. But moving down from Kelsey, you're still getting that alpha. You get exposure to that the best game on the slate. You get exposure to the Chiefs offense. And it helps you fit a couple more of those guys that otherwise you probably couldn't have if you wanted to jam Henry in here. So, all in all, don't regret that play at all. And I'm going to continue to consider Kelsey every single week. Yeah. And I saw lineups where people jammed in Henry, Kelsey, and Kamara. And to me, I, I just did not think that was optimal because you would have had to play um, Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan or, you know, and Gallup instead of Ayuk or something like that. And that is just not a play I'm, I was willing to make um, to, just to jam Kelsey in there. Uh, you know, especially with how strong Ayuk was of a play. So um, some people must have thought that Ayuk wasn't that strong and, and, you know, I think they were wrong. So finishing up here at tight end. Uh, yeah. So we ended up going with Washington. And so Washington, we know they, they have a massive um, adjusted sack rate. So like their defensive line is super strong. They get a ton of pressure on opposing passers. We know that Russell Wilson's great, but Russell Wilson also takes a lot of sacks Um you know, and with the combination of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, I mean, this this defensive line for Washington is absolutely ferocious. They were the second highest zone defense on the slate, you know, at home here against Seattle. Um, you know, they end up only scoring three points. I mean, they, they gave up 20 points. That's fine, whatever. But they didn't get any sacks. And that, that's one thing I just kind of didn't expect, um, not getting any sacks. They didn't get an interception on Russ, but uh, they, I mean, they kind of underperformed in this spot, but uh, I thought they were the best point per dollar defense um we always like to punt off defense and uh you know i, I thought that they were the the cheapest viable defense on the slate um what do you think about washington yep so i kept trying to jam jonathan taylor in this same lineup instead of Cam Akers, but it was going to force me to go down to like the jets defense and i was like man like the Jets' defense are almost certainly going to give you zero, right? And I thought Washington would at least get a couple sacks. I didn't think this game was going to be high scoring either, and it wasn't. Um, turns out, like, if I would have played Jonathan Taylor with the Jets' defense, man, that would have been great. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I thought Washington was in a great spot. That was the mismatch with, their offensive, with the offensive line for Seattle and the defensive uh, – line for Washington, I thought was just really something that was going to allow us to get four or five sacks on Russ potentially. But to get none, I mean, whatever. Like we say, it's three points from a defense. It's whatever. Like, it, it doesn't really affect you that much unless, like, the chalky defense hits, like, two uh, defensive touchdowns. Like, then you're probably hurting. But outside of that, like, defense is marginal week in, week out. Right. Yeah, I mean – I'm always cool with just punting off defense, and I thought they were cheapest viable defense, and we ended up going with them. And they, I, mean, I mean, whatever, three points, I, I don't really care. It's defense. So with that, I mean, I, I thought that the, that the construction was really solid on this slate. I mean, um, you did get a little bit of correlation there with Kelsey and and with Kamara, and then a little more correlation there between Pollard and Ayuk. That game starts to shoot out, and um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I really thought that this was uh, a nice slate and a lot of really locked in plays and ended up being really solid for us and a solid week. So, um, overall things went about the way we thought they would and, um, you know, we end up making money. So that's, it's always good. So with that, that's going to do it for the week 15 DraftKings breakdown. Um, we will be back at some point next week. I know because Christmas is on Friday. So we'll be back probably Saturday, if I were to guess. And we'll probably get this thing up like Saturday afternoon or so. Some, at some point, they're breaking down the, the week 16 DraftKings main slate, which is wild to think of. It's like it just flies right by. It's like gone. Um, but until then, good luck, everybody.